0: James, the fourth chapter let's start with verse number one we're going to read a little longer than we have been reading because we're going to our third point verse one James writes what causes fights and quarrels among you don't they come from your desires that battle within you you want something but you don't get it you kill and covet but you cannot have what you want you quarrel and fight and you do not have but you don't ask God and when you ask God, you don't receive, but you ask with wrong motives that you might spend what you get on your pleasures. We've covered that now. It took about two months and covered that. So now we're going to start with verse 4 and we're going to pick up. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses, it's a choice, chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. And that is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We're going to stop right there. Now, James is addressing conflicts in the church. And we've covered already, number one, the cause of the conflict. We dealt with that. Starts out their own fallen nature, wants to have their own way. And instead of about going about things in the spirit, according to God's prescription, they just let the flesh take over. Amen? And they just did things the wrong way for the wrong desires and wrong motivations the cause. But then we spent the last couple of months on the characteristics of conflicts in the church, what it caused, the characteristics. And we specifically paused because James said um, their prayers were not being answered. Because their motives were not pure. Amen. You can say all the right things and have all the right emotion, but when our heart's not right and there's sin or our motives aren't pure, God says, "Then no, no, I don't hear that. I'm not answering that. And so we took some time. and We took a few weeks, and we said, well, let's study the Bible and see what the Bible says concerning how to get our prayers answered. I mean, if we're going to pray, we might as well get answers. Amen. There's no point in just praying just for, like I say, um, um, God gave us the treadmill for cardio. We don't need to pray for cardio. I mean, we need to pray because we need an answer from God. I'm not going to pray if I can do it. Isn't that right? I don't need to ask God, help me put these glasses on. I can handle that. But boy, when the doctor shakes his head, I need God. Amen? When there's a financial, I need God. So we learned and spent a few weeks studying what the Bible says, how we can get answers to prayers. But now, the condemnation of the conflict. And then next week or the following week, the cure of the conflict. But Roman numeral 2 the condemnation of the conflict. And that's really what we see there in verse 4 as we began reading, where, where James is going to use kind of a, a shocking statement to get their attention. And we're, we're going to, he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? And again, the, the, con- the, the condemnation of the conflict, it's a strong wording to get their attention. And we're going to start out by just looking at three words, three words that come from verse 4. I want to look at the word "adulteress." we're going to look at the word friendship, and then we'll look at the word world. Now, this is under um, the condemnation of conflict in the church, and that, that would be a couple slides over, Roman numeral 3, the condemnation of the conflict. And again, strong words, to get their attention, strong words to get their attention. So we look here, you know, James calls his readers adulteresses, adulterers, and that would have been, um, would have been strong, but certainly not as shocking as um, it would be to us. Right? There was much more common language in those days, then, but we, we wouldn't use that, we would shock. The Jewish background understood the metaphor of marriage to depict the relationship of God and Israel. They understood that. Again, we look at that and we say, that's strong language. And it was meant to get their attention, but it was near, not nearly as strong in that day and age. They used that word because the relationship between God and his people is always pictured as a marriage, as a husband and a bride. And again, so again, this, um, this wording is intended to jar the readers and awaken them to their true spiritual condition because again, marriage is pictured. Of our relationship with the lord so again they were unfaithful to that let's look at a couple scriptures just to give us an example isaiah 54 and 5 isaiah 54 and 5 we see for your maker is your your husband and that's one of the ways that god would would communicate i'm your husband for your maker is your husband the lord almighty is his name the holy one of israel is your redeemer He is called the God of all the earth. So again, we see in the Old Testament, they would use this language often. And God says here that, you know, your Maker, I'm your husband. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. I'm the one that surrounds you. I'm the one that watches over you. I'm the one that lifts you up and exalts you. And he says, that's me. Another example, we can go to Jeremiah 3 and 20. Jeremiah 3 and 20. Just another example of how the Old Testament would often use this metaphor of marriage, but like a woman unfaithful to her husband. So you've been unfaithful to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. And again, when they became unfaithful to the covenant, God said, you're, you're, you're like an unfaithful spouse. That's what God. That's how God um, you know, mentions it. But now if we go to the New Testament, look at Matthew 12 and verse 39, and we're going to see that even Jesus uses similar lingo, they would, again, use this language. We say that's shocking, but it's supposed to get our attention when it calls them adulterers. But in their day and age, it wasn't nearly as shocking as our sensitive ears would be today if the preacher got up and called you a bunch of adulteresses. You know, that would be a little strong. Amen? Especially in this seeker-friendly, um, watered-down, um, well, I'll leave it there, church. Amen. But, but the Bible, but just so you know, that jesus i had a church one time that a lot of young christians and they loved god but they had not been matured yet most men grown up yet and actually they'd gone too much into their immaturity and so i remember making a statement one time i said you know if jesus came here this evening many of you would tell jesus he doesn't act enough like jesus because they were so off layer with 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 they got off kilter but i want you to read some words of jesus because I want you to know that in the Bible, this is just one of the ways that they communicate. And, and um, here we go. Matthew, the 12th chapter, you know, in the verse, verse 38, the teachers and the Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. And here's Jesus' answer to them. A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He called them a wicked an adulterous generation, those were the preachers. Those were the religious leaders. So, so Jesus didn't mind just calling it straight from time to time, did he? Amen? I know we, we get a little overly sensitive, but, but Jesus, he just called it like it was. In our footnote, our footnote is very simple here. Um, when he says adulterous, he's referring to spiritual, not physical adultery, in the sense that their generation had become unfaithful to its spiritual husband God. So we see that when we look at the, the condemnation, he, he begins by saying, You know, you adulteresses, you've been unfaithful to the covenant. You've been unfaithful to the one that purchased you with his blood, to the one that sent his only begotten son. But we, we we've allowed people to take sin very, very lightly, but God don't take it lightly. It put Jesus on the cross. Amen. And he and that how God looks at it like this. Let, let's look here. I like how um, William Barclay said it like this, and I, I hand-wrote this. I should have got it typed, so don't mind me as I read. The form of expression may offend some of our modern sensitive ears, but the picture of Israel as the bride of God and of God as the husband of Israel has some very, something very precious in it. It means that to disobey God is like breaking the marriage vow. It means that all sin is sin against love. It means that our relationship to God is not like the distant relationship of a king and a subject or a master and a slave, but like the intimate relationship of a husband and a wife. It means that when we sin, we break God's heart as the heart of one partner in a marriage may be broken by the desertion of the other. The condemnation. James is seeing the church begin to split, and that's the bride of Christ. He's beginning to see the people of God getting carnal and acting like the devil, and he wants to wake them up and say, hey, this is unacceptable. You can't be, this is, God's, you know, Jesus said, if you mess with my my church, I'll mess with you. Didn't he say that? Anyone attacks that church, he'll deal with them. And so James says the condemnation, the first word adulteresses. but then he says, he goes on, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship, friendship, that word friendship It's really the only time it's used in the New Testament is here. The only time the Greek word is is used in the New Testament is here. And it speaks of a love that has a strong emotional attachment to it. Strong emotional attachment. And and it speaks to us, God won't have any rivals. He's a jealous God, isn't he? He won't have any rivals. He won't share us. We've been bought with a price and we're not our own. So so guard, guard the affections of your heart. Guard your, your spirit, guard your affections. Those with a deep, intimate longing for the things of this world give evidence that they might not have never been born again. They might never have been your nature. And nature determines appetite. And if your appetite is for things of the world, it might just show you've never been born again. But is that born again man doesn't want that slop. Amen? He has a hunger for the things of God. Remember, your desires. Tell a lot about your nature. Reveal a lot about your nature. And then he goes down to the word world. So we got word number one was adulteresses. He's speaking about very simply those who are spiritually unfaithful. He's saying if, when you're acting like this towards the brethren, you're being unfaithful to the one that purchased all of you. Amen? And so he says to wake them up, he says that we, 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 we wink at sin in this generation. You know, some preacher can leave his wife hook up with someone 20 years younger, and good Lord, half the church follow the joker. My Lord, it's anathema. Let them, let them to deal with the judgment of God. Stay away from that trash. But we, we've raised up a generation don't know enough about their Bible that anyone, you know, oh Lord. Come on, say amen to that. Amen. You can say, ouch, say what you want, but I'm just telling you, junk is junk, and God calls it as it is, and we, we, we've, we start calling things like God calls them. Amen. Amen, hallelujah. So, adulterous friendship—talk about that emotional attachment But that world. World, what's what about this, this? Don't you know that friendship with the world, hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, this word "world," we know it's not the world of creation. It's it's the world system. It's um, it, it's the. The people, society without God, it's the spirit that rebels and is alienated from God. The the world is that system, that mindset, that worldview, the the value system that is anti the word of God, anti Christ, anti the will of God. It's the system of thought and practice where it's man-centered, not God-centered, controlled by the enemy, opposed by God in this world, this world. The value system that is not the value system of the Bible and of the Lord, the the moral um, lifestyle that is not the lifestyle uh, uh, of the world. Let let me read you what um, one, one professor writes, the expositors. James is thinking especially of the pleasures that lure men's hearts from God. By its very nature then, friendship with the world with that system that is anti-god that crucified christ that rejected the messiah that doesn't love the word of god friendship with that spirit and that attitude is hatred towards god to have a warm familiar attitude towards this evil world is to be on good terms with god's enemy it is to adopt the world's set of values and want what the world wants instead of choosing according to the divine standard. Hence, the person who deliberately chooses to be a friend of this world, by that choice, becomes an enemy of God. That's what, the, that's what he's teaching. He's trying to wake them up. He's trying to say, no, you, you can't. You know, um, I was reading something, skimming through something yesterday, one of the old, uh, one of the old Jewish theologians but he's an excellent man on the prophets. And he said, one of the things the, the prophets majored in um, confrontation and in interference. They're always interfering with the people that were going astray. They're always interfering with a religious system that was backsliding. That's why they always get out of our way, prophets. Stop talking because they got in the way. And one of the biggest things that the prophet's job was, he was to end segregation in the religion of the people. You know, I, I grew up in the Northeast, and there's a lot of segregation, in religion. I don't, I don't mean black and white. I mean I had a lot of friends that they went to ma, I meant went to church on Saturday night or Sunday morning, and did a lot of religious, and then they left it right there. And as soon as they got out on that sidewalk, that's.